We're going to start a new sermon series today called Battleground. I realized that we had talked about assessment season five or six weeks and we're comparing our lives to uh, the, the acts of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And I started realizing that the battle for, for all of that happens in your brain, in your mind. Your hand has never done anything you didn't tell it to do. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into this battleground. And I want you to lean in with me. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the end date on this is going to be. We could talk about this till Jesus comes back. Um, but I want us to have a sound mind, Paul tells Timothy. That you weren't given a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. And so I want us to work on that together as a church. And it's the battleground that we have to win. Amen? We have to win. So we're going to dig into that. Hey, I also want to let you know something. I found out this morning that there's a new Bible app. Does anybody, did anybody follow the Bible app on Twitter or anything like that? Um, there's a new Bible app called the Bible Lens. I believe I downloaded it this morning. It's absolutely phenomenal. You should download it and it'll take your pictures It'll look at your pictures and it'll put scripture with them on your phone. And then you can post it a lot. It's unbelievable. It's the same people that came out with the Bible app. It is remarkable. So uh, it's just a neat little app that I think you should check out. By the way, the Bible app I just checked, 330 million downloads of the Bible app on people's phones for absolutely free. Isn't that beautiful? So uh, I'm excited about it going forward. So anyway, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read this scripture together. Paul is writing in his second letter to the Corinthians, and he starts out in chapter 10 like this in verse 1. He says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you went away. I beg you that when I come, I may, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the war- world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, that we don't have to be slaves to our thoughts, God, but we can take them captive to the obedience of Christ. We pray that you'd give us insight into your word. We pray that you do miracles in our minds this morning. Lord, we pray that we'd have sound minds rooted in the truth. Renew us today by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Paul's starting out this 10th chapter of his second letter to the Corinthians. There there has been a little bit of infiltration of people that, uh, that are trying to persuade the Corinthian church into things that aren't true and Paul evidently has confronted them at some point in time in a visit and and they have come up with this statement you see they Paul writes it and he puts parentheses um, no quotation marks 
I don't know. <laughs> On the words timid and bold, or the other word he uses. And he says, he says, you say basically that, I, that, that when I was with you, I was timid. But when I'm away, I'm bold. And, and they're, they're spreading this thing like, oh, he's a big guy when he's writing letters. But when he's in our midst, he's not, he's not very impressive. He's not, he's not very, doesn't seem very strong when he's with us. But man, when he's away writing letters, oh, he's, he's a tough guy. And Paul actually starts out chapter 10 by saying, by saying, I'm, I'm coming to you in gentleness of Christ. Now you can imagine Paul hearing this. He's the apostle. He's starting churches. These people believe because of his work. And you can imagine a couple people coming in and infiltrating that work and saying, well, he's not such a tough guy when he's, when he's here. Thinks he's something when he's writing those letters out. You can imagine Paul having this feeling of, I get the Corinth, I'm going to slap that bum in the mouth, right? But Paul says that I'm going to come to you in gentleness. I, I, my prayer is that I don't have to be as bold as I anticipate. I'll need to be. I, I, don't, I don't want to do this. And it's curious to me that then he starts talking about taking every thought captive. Because he has a choice and, and how he thinks about the circumstance. So, he, so he's saying, Here is the, here's the facts of the matter. You guys, you guys think we should live by the standards of the world. And so, you, so you're accusing me of being timid while I'm around you and, and bold when I'm away from you. And, and you, you, you've been running your mouth about me. But I, but it, I have determined that I'm going to come to you in gentleness. I don't want to come to you in that boldness. And so then he inserts in there the idea of taking every thought captive. I learned uh, a, a while ago, uh, reading books on marriage, that, um, by the way, gentlemen, if you want to be married 22 years, read a book on marriage. Because somebody screwed it up and wrote it down. You don't have to screw it up. So... Um, I, I was told a long time ago that you cannot argue with feelings. Anybody ever heard that before? When your wife comes to you and says, I feel sad, you go, no, you don't. That's a sure way not to have a good night, first of all. I feel sad about this. No, that, that's not a good way to feel. You can't argue with the way people feel. A feeling is, is something that, is, it, it's an emotion. It's something that a lot of times hormonally triggered but what we find out is feelings are triggered by thoughts. Now, I'm going to do a little experiment with you. Okay? I don't want you to think about anything right now. And just me saying that made you think about not thinking about anything. So the, it's basically a useless exercise. But Okay, think, don't think about anything, but I want you to feel angry. Don't think about anybody that would make you... I don't want you to think about anything that would make you angry, but I want you to be angry. Come on. I'm trying to look for anger in the room. Come on, like clench your fist, grit your teeth, put your eyebrows down. You're not really participating. All right. Now let's try something else. If you're married, look at your spouse... 
And no, don't be angry. Don't, don't do that. What you find out is, if I don't think about something that makes me angry, it's difficult to reproduce the feeling. I can reproduce what anger looks like. I can clench my fist, grit my teeth, furrow my brow. I can do all those things. But I don't feel angry inside. I'm just looking angry on purpose. So what we find out is feelings are oftentimes attached to thoughts. And so I'm thinking something and then it triggers a feeling in me. It's very difficult to have a feeling that is not attached to a thought. I'm not talking about when you get stung by a bee. And then you say, well, I didn't think about it hurting, but it hurt anyway. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about, I feel sad. Well, it's, it's always, a, I can't be angry unless I'm thinking about something angry. Now, what we're going to find out here in a little bit is your brain makes shortcuts, which is dangerous. But watch what has happened to our society. We have put feelings up on a pedestal as being pure. Come on, somebody say amen. Follow me. We put feelings up on a pedestal as being pure. Well, if I feel this way, it must be right. If I feel this way, but what we find out is if feelings come from thoughts, then feelings, just like thoughts can be inaccurate, feelings can also be inaccurate. But here's what we've done in our society. Watch how our conversation has changed. Man, I've, I'm getting older, and every time I go, boy, when I was growing up, I thought I'd never say stuff like that. I don't, it's been the last two or three years that I've really started paying attention to people saying this. And I have warned with threat of punishment to my kids to stop using these terms in conversations. Every time I hear it, I go, no, 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 that's not true. That's not, that's a thought, not a feeling. We now, in our conversations, in our culture, start everything with a feeling. Watch this. We used to say, I think this is the case. Now we say, I feel this is the case. Don't we? We don't say, I think it's going to rain today. We go, I feel it's going to rain today. Do you got some spidey sense or something? Like, You're like, man, I got a bum knee. Every time that thing hurts, I feel the rain. That's not what we're talking about. Well, I feel like they like me. I feel like, so what we do, we, we've insulated ourselves from criticism about what we're saying. Because remember, you can't argue with a feeling. So, we, so in our conversations, we've insulated, I feel like the boss doesn't like me. Well, uh, what, what, well, I can't argue with that because you feel like, no, we used to say, I think the boss doesn't like me. And then somebody could say, well, that's the wrong way to think. But now we say, I feel the boss doesn't like, oh, you feel the boss doesn't like you. Oh, let's hug. <laughs> I, don't what to, I don't know what to do with that. And so you see what happens is we've set it up to where there can't be a debate about the truth because you can't argue with a feeling. But as the wonderful band Journey told us years ago, it is more than a feeling. Huh? Boston. Journey had a feeling song too, didn't they? Oh, man. It's more than a feeling. So, if feelings come from thoughts and thoughts can be inaccurate, then my feelings could be an inaccurate representation of my thoughts. 
So we have started out, we have taught a generation. I'm telling you, my wife will tell you, every time my kids start a conversation like that, I go, no, 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 that's incorrect. Do not start with, I feel anything. Start with, this is what I'm thinking. Because Paul doesn't say, take every feeling captive. Because he knows feelings follow thoughts. He says, take every thought captive. Because here's the issue with Paul. He felt like slapping somebody in the mouth. Are you kidding me? I'm the apostle. I'm the one that, I'm the one that got this thing off the ground. I'm the one that brought the gospel to you. I'm the one. And now you're going to come in and tell me it's wrong. Now you're going to come in and tell me, oh, well, he's bold when he's writing on, or when he's writing us a letter, but he's timid when he's here. Are you kidding me? I was timid on purpose. I was gentle on purpose. I was following the example of Christ. It's got nothing to do with me being not authoritative. Like, I'm not afraid of you. Can you imagine what he's thinking when he's hearing this stuff? Somebody says, Paul, man, as people run their mouth. And they're saying that you're timid when you're... He was feeling what he was thinking. He was thinking, I'm going to go down there and handle this. But he took the thought captive, which made the feeling submit. So he says, I'll take every thought captive. So now when he writes the letter, he's not angry. He's writing the letter saying, I'm coming to you in gentleness. How about if we took a thought captive before we got on Facebook? <laughs> before, we, before we sent the rant out, before we sent the email, before we sent whatever. What if, we, what if we didn't let our feeling, which was produced by the thought, what if we didn't let our feeling govern us? What if we said, wait a second, I'm going to take that thought captive. The issue is, is I can control what I think. Paul said that we have a divine weapon that we can use to tear down strongholds. That we're not, that we're not, we're not prisoners of our, we have the capability through Christ to take every thought captive. So I don't have to just react. I can, I can take that thought captive. I can control the way I feel because the way I feel is produced by what I think. And what I think can be subject to Christ. And so what we're doing is we're training up a whole generation of people not to take responsibility for what they think, but just tell everybody how they feel. And I'm like, I can't argue with a feeling, but your feeling is wrong. It's not, it's not just your feeling, your thoughts are wrong. And so, thought, so wrong thoughts produce wrong feelings. And next thing you know, there's, we're, we got a stronghold produced. Watch this. Romans 8 chapter 5 says this. Or Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Remember, thoughts produce feelings. So if I, if I fix my thoughts on what the Spirit desires, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life. And do you see what he adds in there? Is there anybody that can put that up there? He says the Spirit is life and Peace. Peace. Peace is a feeling, isn't it? I feel anxious or I feel peaceful. Do you know why? It's because my mind has been fixed on the truth. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. That's scripture. He will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on him. Why am I anxious? Because I'm thinking wrong things. We do this all the time. 
So Paul says, before, before I come to you, I checked what I was thinking. I'm, I'm writing, before I even wrote to you, I checked what I was thinking. Because thought, thoughts produce feelings, and feelings left unchecked produce strongholds. Our brains are constantly making shortcuts. Short t- shortcuts to things that are not necessarily true. Now, I'm going to blow your minds here right now. I did a little bit of research on the internet. <laughs> but I can send you links to actual the real research. So if there's anything you, you want to you talk about later, I don't want to talk to you. I just, just email me and I'll send you the link. Real published studies. How many of you think Napoleon was short? Now, now you're like, oh, I'm not going to raise my hand because it's not true. I, I know what he's going to do. So everybody thinks Napoleon's short because that's what we've been told all our lives. And we even have a thing called the Napoleon syndrome, don't we? We've diagnosed short people and we've said they've all got problems because they're short. And come to find out Napoleon wasn't any shorter than any other Frenchman. They say he might have been a little bit taller than the average Frenchman. You know why we believe it? Because it was repeated. Now watch this. I'm not done. I'm not done. Watch this. You need to drink eight glasses of water a day or you will be dehydrated. Raise your hand if you believe that. If you've heard that, you believe it like, oh man, that's, that's the gospel. That's true. Eight, out, eight glasses of water a day, you'll be dehydrated. Guess what? Everybody in this room is dehydrated. (laughs) No, none of you drink eight glasses of water a day. Here's what I tell everybody. The number one ingredient in Pepsi is water. (laughs) Argue with that. It's on the label. It's water. If I drink eight Pepsis a day, I've drank eight glasses of water a day. I don't care what anybody says. I'm meeting the criteria. It's patently not true, but you know why we believe it? Because it was repeated. I'm not done. I'm getting better. This is one that I have, that I, I heard this on a radio program a couple weeks ago and I thought, Lord, this is the best news I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Thank you for this. How many of you have heard that salt is bad for you? Oh, you wait till this comes out. Okay, listen. 2011, all the way back in 2011. They, the research that came out, that came, was back in the 70s. They fed a rat like three dump trucks of salt and it died. And then they came out and said, all salt is bad for you. You know what research in 2011 said? They found that people with lower intakes of salt actually had more heart problems. We have been on an anti-salt diet for the last 30 years. By the way, they're just finding out that that, that we've been on a fat-free diet, high-sugar diet. Now everybody's got diabetes, and we're still getting fat. So I'm thinking I could have been eating bacon this whole time. 
with salt on it. Do you know why we believe it? Because it was repeated. Now watch this. We don't believe it because we did the research. We believe it because it was repeated. Most of the things that we believe we never researched. It was just repeated. So let me come into your living room. Most of the things you believe about yourself were never researched. They were just repeated. Most of the things you believe about the people around you were never researched. They were just repeated. How is it that we can hear from three different people about the same person and they seem to all collaborate between each other? Say, oh man, you got to watch out for that guy. You got to watch out for that guy. And then you go talk to somebody else and say, oh yeah, yeah, I talked to so-and-so. And they said, you got to watch out for that. And before you know it, you got three people saying the same thing about somebody and you haven't checked anything. You just believe it because it was repeated. And so now when that person comes to the room, you're already mad. And they're like, I don't even know you. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you're not good. Well, how did you know that? Because Billy and Susie and Jimmy told me you weren't good. Now, we don't say that because we want to protect Billy, Susie, and Jimmy. It wasn't investigated. It was just repeated. What about your beliefs about God? Our beliefs about, our thoughts about God conjure up emotions about Him. Whether we should fear Him or, or he's, trying to, he's trying to just... This, this cosmic being that's just trying to punish everybody. Why do we believe stuff like that? Not because we researched it, not because we investigated, because it was repeated. Why do we believe things like, I'll never really be able to love anybody? Why do we believe things like, I'll never be anything? Why do we believe things like, everybody's out to get me? Not because it's true. But because it was repeated. And so Paul is saying this. Do the investigation. Wait a second. Wait a second. If I take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. I'm holding my thoughts up to the truth of the gospel. I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm thinking this. But just because I think it doesn't make it true. I'm thinking this. Now, is what I'm thinking aligning up with what God has for me? Is what I'm thinking aligning up with what the Bible says? But the problem is we don't do the investigation. We just hear people say it. So your mind is perfect at making shortcuts. I've told you this before. I've read it. It's a fascinating thing to me how your mind works. But it can be the most detrimental thing you've ever experienced. It happens like this. and I, I, If you've been coming to this church a while, you've heard me talk about this story. Uh, I got my driver's license when you still had to go to the uh, police barracks, state police barracks, the, on Edward Miller Boulevard. And you went there and uh, you did your driving test with a state cop. Well, I had never been in the front seat of a car with a cop. I've never been in the back seat either. But, um, but what, what happened was this big state trooper got in the car. I'm, I'm 16 years old. I weigh like 140 pounds then. And I, I'm I, like, I'm terrified. This guy gets in the car, big dude, gun, the whole nine yards. And he's like, all right. And I'm driving my dad's vehicle. It's a stick shift. I'm, you know, I'm trying to prove myself as a man. I'm going all the way with the stick shift. So we pull out of the police barracks. We turn right on Edwin Miller Boulevard and we do this circle. 
And, and we come, we come down by the Berkeley Plaza and we come down Warm Springs Avenue and Warm Springs Avenue dumps us out right back there at Edwin Miller Boulevard. And he looks at me and he says, turn left here and, or he said, take a left here and go back to the barracks. I turn my right turn signal on and I turn right. Now, if you're familiar with where that is, I drive out over the interstate. He looks at me and says, did that look like a left to you, son? I said, no, sir. We got to go down to the stoplight, turn around, come back to the barracks. And when he gets out of the car, he looks at my dad. He said, well, he did all right, but he doesn't know how to follow directions. Now, that was my first time as getting my driver's license. Within two years of getting that driver's license, 17 years old, I could drive late for work, speeding, eating a sandwich, and changing my clothes. Like you've never done it. Why is that? My brain made a shortcut. I never think about driving anymore. I could do that with a foot. Just put a foot up on the steering wheel. I could do that with a knee. I could do it with three kids in the back seat. Oh, now you're like, you're dangerous. My brain made a shortcut. That's why you can talk on the cell phone and put it down instinctively when you see the police. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What happened? Well, I, I just, I, I could sense they were there. Like, I know how it works. Your brain makes a shortcut to things, but what you have to be careful about is your brain makes a shortcut to inaccuracies and falsehoods as well as it does the truth. So whatever you keep telling yourself, whatever people keep telling you that you believe, your brain will shortcut to that in an instant. And it will shortcut to anger, it will shortcut to to fear, it will shortcut to sadness, it will shortcut there. And that's why I've told you over and over again that somebody you haven't seen for five years can walk in the room and you're mad in an instant. Why? Because your brain made a shortcut to there and that's just what you're living on. Paul says, you want to cause a ruckus in Corinth? You will not cause me to make a shortcut to be angry with you. It's not going to happen. He starts out by saying, I'm coming to you. Nice. Take every thought captive. I'm not going to make a shortcut to it. I'm not going to believe it just because it's being said. I'm not going to, I'm going to investigate how does this hold up with the, with the, with scripture. Thoughts become feelings and feelings coupled with reoccurring thoughts produce strongholds. Keep thinking the same thing, keeping, thinking the same thing. And the next thing you know, it's a big barrier that we can't get through. But thanks be to God, he says, we have a weapon that is divine for the tearing down of strongholds. Amen? We have the power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we use are not the weapons of this world. You've got to get the right weapon. You've got to get the right weapon. You've got to ask yourself, is what I'm doing right now working? Because it's the very definition of insanity. It's like disciplining a kid. How many, how many of you remember, or you have little kids right now? Anybody have little kids right now? Like two, three, four years old? Yeah. And some of you remember having kids that age? You're like, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, just, I, like, I begged that kid before in the grocery store, please, if there's a God in heaven, you don't, don't scream. Don't, just just don't, don't act up. Don't scream, please. I don't think I can take it anymore. You just got to shut up, please. Uh, for, for the last time, don't do this to me. Put him in the cart, walk in the door in Walmart. They're like, Bruh! 
And then you're, shut up! And, and everybody's looking at you, are like, I'm not that person, I don't know what happened! I can remember, I was probably six, my brother maybe four. Anybody remember Encyclopedia Britannica's? whole set of them in a bookcase. My dad had a foot surgery uh, laid up in the bed or laid up in the chair and my mom was gone. My brother was a little bit more strong-willed than me. Um, and so uh, he walked over to the bookcase with Encyclopedia Britannica's and just looked at my dad, smiled, and just started flipping them off one by one. Like, dunk, dunk, dunk. And my dad was old school. He was like, you better stop that. I'm going to get up. I'm going to beat your butt. And uh, my brother's like, ha, ha, bonk, bonk. So my dad gets up on crutches and spanks his butt. And I'm like, dude, do you, like, you got to get this straight in your head. He's going to, don't do it again. And as soon as my dad sits down, my brother walks back over to the bookshelf and goes, bonk, bonk. And I'm thinking, dad, the spankings don't work. But you know what my dad did? He went to get up again to give him a spank and fell over, hurt his foot again. And so what happened was he waited till my mom got home. He was like, hand him here. Uh, so, that's exactly what happened. What we do is we try to win the battle using an ineffective tool. And then we keep trying to use it and use it and use it. And it doesn't work, but we don't know anything else, so we just keep using it. And it's like, it's like whipping a kid for 18 years over the same thing, and it never works. I'm not saying it doesn't work sometimes. I'm saying it, it's just like it's not working. And so we get trapped in these cycles. And then what happens is then we just live with it. I don't know what to do. I don't know. We don't ask for help. We don't look into the word. We just go, I don't know. It's just, it's just the way it's going to be. I'm going to always have crazy kids. I can remember looking at people like, this too shall pass. It's a season. But we have the stronghold build up in the season. And then we're stuck. And Paul says, we don't use carnal things for this. We got to get the right weapon. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Make it, the, it literally means make it submit to the truth. So what's the weapon? The truth is the weapon. So what, it, what, what does that mean? It means you actually have to do a little work to figure out what is actually true. So we have to do this in the midst of feeling a certain way because of inaccurate thoughts. So in the midst of feeling a certain way, I'm sure Paul thought every single one of those people, I'm so sick of them. I do all this stuff for them and they're just, they're just attacking me over and over again. But he was able to submit that feeling, submit those thoughts that were calling the feeling. And then he went, you know what? I'm going to come to you in gentleness. I'm going to come to you in gentleness. I'm not going to do what I'm feeling like doing. I'm going to make that thought submit to the truth. What's the truth? The truth is that God loves you. The truth is that I'm not who you describe me to be. The truth is that I don't need to make an excuse for myself. The truth is I don't need to defend myself. The truth is I'm doing exactly what God called me to do. So I'm fine. I'm not going to be angry about this. I'm going to come in general. So what do we do? We gotta take, we gotta step back. Take, take a second. Don't believe every emotion is a true emotion. Step back. What am I thinking right now? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this. Well, what, 
What does God say about it? What does God say about me? What does, what does God say about me? It doesn't matter what other people have said. What does God say about me? How, how can I level with the way I'm feeling, with the way God says? And so I could take those thoughts captive unto the obedience of Christ. I could take them captive to the truth. That means you got to know the truth. Jesus, John's writing about something he said in John chapter 8, verse 31, says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know what he's saying? If you're following me, you'll know the truth. If you hold to my teachings, it proves that you're my disciples. Then he makes this famous famous comment. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free. You will know the truth and the truth will break down the strongholds in your life. Because what we do is we build these little walls up around ourselves and our minds and we can't function, we can't function, we can't. We build up these little walls and, and Paul or John, Jesus told them, you'll know the truth and the truth will break down the stronghold. What is it? Nobody ever loves me. He loves you with an everlasting love. Then nothing can separate you from the love of God. I'll never amount to nothing. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have to get into the truth. You have to compare your current thought to what God says. And then don't relinquish that ground. Don't relinquish it. Don't go back to believing a lie after you find out the truth. But this is who God says I am. This is who God says I am. He knows me better than anybody else knows me. This is what he says I'm capable of. He knows me better than anybody else knows me. This is what he says I can accomplish in him. He knows me better than anybody else knows me. I can eat salt. Come on, if you came and just that revelation alone could transform your life. Green beans, man, with salt on them. Paul tells Timothy, he didn't give him a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, Timothy. That's thoughts that you have. But he gave you power, love, and the ability to take every thought captive, a sound mind. A mind that works the way God intended it to work, not captivated by fear and doubt, but captivated by the gospel. This is why Paul could still function. Stand to your feet, the band's going to come, watch this. I always look at people who struggle through life with really serious difficulties and figure out how they do it. Those are fascinating people. How did you overcome all that? How did you not just crawl up into a ball and quit everything? How did you make it? And I, oh, I, I love talking to people like that. How did you just keep pushing through it? And you know what I'm finding out? They were able to control this. Oh, they were able to control this. It wasn't some magic potion. They were able to believe what God said about them versus what was happening to them. So Paul's sick and he prays. Doesn't seem like God's answering. And he's sick and he prays. Doesn't seem like God. He says he prayed three times. Now this is a guy who had seen people healed miraculously everywhere he went. Yet he's praying for himself and nothing happens. So you can imagine how down you could get with that. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. I can lay hands on somebody over here and see him healed. And I'm standing over here sick and can't get any help. I don't understand. And you can, you can, you can almost hear the thoughts. 
I don't understand. I do something wrong. Like, God, you're not paying attention. You're just not doing anything for me. I don't know what's happening. And the whole time, that would have been inaccurate. Because God is looking at Paul then and says, my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, that's the, okay, that's the truth. So it has has nothing to do with me and you loving me. It's got everything to do with me walking through this. You support, oh, I see the truth now so I can do things differently. And Paul, through this whole life, could reframe things, could, could, could take the thought he had and compare with the truth and then accept the truth into his life. So even in chains, In a Roman prison, he can write to the Philippians and say, these chains are to advance the gospel. I won't let a falsehood of me being in prison for no reason be spread around. I'm going to submit that thought to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of Christ, and I'm going to take it captive. I'm going to break the pity stronghold down. I'm going to break the fear stronghold down. I'm going to let everybody know I'm here on purpose for the gospel. That can transform your life. You called me out into deep waters where feet may fail. I'm not going to let fear put up a stronghold in my life. God called me out to this place. The truth is, is that he promised to sustain me in everything that I would step in. He promised to sustain me about everything, every place I would go. Every, he promised that he would be my strength, my provider, my keeper. He promised me that the truth is, is he knows what I'm walking through. He knows what I need before I even ask it. So he, the truth is, I don't have to worry. He told me not to worry about what I'm going to eat, drink, wear, and what I'm... He said, I've got it all under control. So I will take that thought captive and I will refuse to let fear well up within me. And I will live the truth. Paul says, once I get that thought captive, I can really frame what's happening to me for the gospel. You want to run your mouth about what you think I am? That's fine. I've taken the thought captive to beat your butt. So when I come, I'm going to come in gentleness. I'm going to write to you gently. It's fine. I've taken that thought captive. Father, we thank you this morning. Help us on this journey, Lord, not to be slaves to false thoughts, God, but to know the truth and let it set us free. Not to be slaves to our feelings, God, but to know the truth and you set us free. God, we want to be free people of all people, God. We have been saved by grace. We should be the freest on the planet. God, we ask this morning that you would give us the divine power to break down every stronghold holding us back, every stronghold affecting our lives, every stronghold that has been built up from years of repetition, years of being told the same thing, years of believing the same thing. We pray that you break them down this morning. We are your children. We are called. We are gifted. We are valuable. You you sent your son to die for us. Lord, while we were sinners, you died for us, God. We are your chosen. We thank you for that this morning. And we are choosing this morning to believe the truth about who we are and what you've called us to. Thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you give him honor this morning?